Hey guys, I'm Katie. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Chills, Thrills, and Kills Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we're, we're kind of getting there. Yeah, it's getting there slowly but surely, but progress is key. So there we go. Yes. <laughs> All right, so... This week has been pretty exciting. We've gotten a little bit of feedback on our first episode as well as our first itty bitty. Um, so how are you feeling about all the feedback, Rebecca? Uh, I just honestly want to say, you guys, we are so appreciative. We've had so many good comments as to how well we're doing. But all of the feedback we've gotten so far has actually been very constructive and nothing mean. So thank Thank you. Our hearts appreciate it. Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) And our Facebook following has actually gotten above 400 members in our group. So that's been really cool as well. And we've been having some fun discussions there. Yeah. So if you're not part of that group, make sure you join it. And you can find that at CTK Podcast on Facebook. Yeah, we have a lot of really friendly, really welcoming people there. One of those people is actually Megan Weber, who is getting a special little shout out because she guessed our first episode correctly, as well as the actual itty bitty, too. So good super sleuth powers. You can Mm -hmm. actually find her on Instagram at the painted hippie. She makes amazing artwork. And I will let Katie tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I actually went to school with Megan, Um, so I know her kind of well. I recently received some artwork from her. I got some little goodies, so if you're looking for anything to be custom painted, she can do just about anything. She also does, um, like, resin molds. She does t-shirts, so anything you're looking for, she can ship to you. I think my shipping was, like, three days, so definitely look her up at The Painted Hippie on Instagram. Yeah, and seriously, guys, if you love jellyfish or, like, galaxy, some of her stuff is so adorable. And I'm not even really into those things, but I would buy them. So, <laughs> Everything so, yeah. is super cute. <laughs> Please support our followers. We love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so this week my story is kind of a bummer. <laughs> Yay! I love bummers! Yeah, it's a little bit longer than my typical stories, but I want to get a little bit more content out there for you guys to listen to. So yeah, um, I think I'm just going to jump right in. Let's do it! Okay, so my story is on Sylvia Likens. Have you heard the story? I know I've heard of it, and I'm sure I've actually heard it, but I do not remember any of it. Okay, well, whew, buckle up. <laughs> um, wait, is this about the one with the little girl who goes to live with, like, an aunt or something, and it's awful? Kinda, yes. Ooh. Okay, cool, I'm ready for the despair. Bring it on. Okay, so <laughs> Sylvia Likens was born January 3rd, 1949 in Les- to Lester Cecil Likens and his wife, Elizabeth Frances Likens. Um, Elizabeth also went by Betty. So if you hear me refer to Betty, it is Sylvia's mom. Okay. Um, she was the third out of five children. Lester and Elizabeth supported their large family by selling concessions at carnivals throughout Indiana during the summer. 
um, during this travel, Sylvia and her younger sister, Jenny, would normally stay with relatives while the family was traveling. Um, Jenny actually had polio, so it was kind of difficult for her to travel with the rest of the family, and her and Sylvia had a pretty close bond, so Sylvia always stayed with her. So Sylvia was described as friendly, confident, and she was also known to be called Cookie by her friends and family because she had a super sweet and nurturing personality. Yeah, cookie. Oh, God. (laughs) In June of 1965, Elizabeth Lycan was actually jailed for shoplifting. So, yikes. Um, During this time, Lester needed to find somewhere for Jenny and Sylvia to stay so that he could begin traveling for work. And this is where Gertrude Benazilski comes in. Uh, I... I'm beginning to remember this, and I hate this bitch. Continue. Yeah, she is literal, like, filth. Okay? <laughs> she, okay. You'll yeah, see. so as far as literal filth, you guys, just the scene in Princess Bride where there's that old hag yelling at at Buttercup, that, that level of filth. Just yeah. put it in your head, hang on to it. Katie, yeah. continue. <laughs> It gets it gets pretty um, it gets pretty graphic as well. So I just want to kind of forewarn you guys: if you have a weak stomach or um, you have kids listening, you may not want them to listen to this episode because it gets a little a little much. Um, yeah, this is this episode is going to be hard for even me. I'm 25, so just yeah, don't. Yeah, be forewarned. Um, so don't don't yell at us for for being graphic. <laughs> Okay, so Gertrude was a 36-year-old, three-time divorced mother of seven. Woof, okay. Yeah, so her kids were Paula, which was Sylvia's friend from school, Stephanie, John, Marie, Shirley, James, and Dennis. So she did odd jobs and worked from home on sewing projects to help support her family. Not long after the 4th of July in 1965, Gertrude made an agreement with Lester to look after Sylvia and Jenny until November, which is when he would return with Elizabeth after the summer carnival season. So um, Lester agreed to pay Gertrude $20 a week to watch his girls. That doesn't sound like a lot of money, but you guys have to remember this was in the 60s. So it, it was a good bit of money. Um, Let me also preface this by saying the only time he ever met this woman was the day he dropped his girls off. Why? Why would you do that? uh, That's what got me, too. And, I mean, that just goes to show you can't just leave your child with anybody. And that's been a, like, forever thing. So, yeah. I wouldn't. I have a friend who actually, her business, I, I use the word friend loosely, by the way. So <laughs> she, her whole business is pet sitting and she has volunteered to watch my cats for me before, but I've met this girl maybe twice and I refuse. And those are cats. Yeah. Um, as you know, I have 37 dogs um, <laughs> and nobody other than my boyfriend's mother watches my dogs. Um, so can you imagine how I would be with a child? Yeah, so occasionally the $20 weekly payments would come in late because, I mean, shit happens. They were using the mail. The mail is not exactly dependable all the time. Um, If the payment was even just one or two days late, Gertrude would beat the girls with a quarter-inch thick paddle. 
Yeah. And she would say things to them like, I've taken care of you little bitches for nothing. In late August, both girls were hit around 15 times each with that paddle. Because her little bitch of a daughter, Paula, had accused the sisters of overindulging at a church dinner. So, so dinner she didn't even have to pay for. Yeah. So cool. basically this whole family, along with these two girls, went to a church, had their dinner, and apparently they ate too much food. Um, let me also mention that Gertrude was pretty much poor and there wasn't much food in the house. So basically Sylvia and Jenny would just eat when they could and they would get punished for it. Yeah, the poor girls were fucking starving. Yeah, and the household they came from, they were not used to that. Their parents were not well off by no means, but they lived comfortably enough to where they never were hungry. Um, So, I mean, that had to be a pretty hard transition for them. Not to mention, when you love your kids, you're going to make sure they have food. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah, it gets gets rough. I know. Yeah. (laughs) At some point in August... Gertrude began focusing the abuse on Sylvia alone. Um, This actually happened because Sylvia would offer to take Jenny's beatings because, again, Jenny had polio, so she already Mm -hmm. had a medical condition, um, and she just saw that it was affecting her way worse than it was affecting Sylvia. Um, So Sylvia would just take her punishments, which, I mean, way to be a great big sister. But That That just breaks my heart. I know. Um, so the abuse came in the form of beatings and starvation, which led to Sylvia beginning to consume spoiled food from the garbage. Um, she would get extra food at school. She would ask neighbors for food. Like it was, it was pretty bad. Um, Sylvia once mentioned that she had had a boyfriend in Long Beach, California, from where her family had lived there, like prior to moving to Indiana, Um, Gertrude proceeded to ask Sylvia if she'd ever, quote unquote, done anything with a boy, to which Sylvia replied, I mean, I guess so, which meant she had gone on several outings with this boy. She'd went to the movies, skating rinks, various restaurants with the boy, but she always had Jenny in tow. So these kids weren't like out fooling around. They were doing like normal teenage stuff, but... Gertrude pushed it the wrong way and made it into something super sexual, of course, because she's fucking garbage but Sylvia had mentioned that she had ended up laying under a blanket with this particular boy to which Gertrude responded with why would you do that and then upon mentioning that she also started pointing out that Sylvia had gained some weight and could possibly be pregnant yeah after pointing this out she then kicked Sylvia in the genitals yeah So, aside from Gertrude, Paula, which was her oldest daughter, would abuse Sylvia relentlessly. She would often tell Sylvia she wasn't wasn't fit to sleep in a bed or sit in a chair. And then she would either roll her out of the bed or shove her out of the chair onto the floor while all the other members of the family just would laugh at her. And poor Jenny would just watch her sister go through this because what is she going to do against seven other people? Yeah. Yeah. One night, the family sat down for dinner, and Paula, Gertrude, and a boy from the neighborhood named Randy Lepper force-fed Sylvia a hot dog, which, by the way, gross. She force-fed her a hot dog covered in a concoction that they pulled from the refrigerator. This concoction included 
mustard, mayonnaise, ketchup, pickles, syrup, various spices, like anything they could pull out of their refrigerator and mix it together, they put on this hot dog and shoved it down her throat. Yeah, but all of these kids are too poor to have food and they're going to pull shit like this. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. Garbage. Yeah. Is it not infuriating? (gasps) So, of course, this made Sylvia throw up. Which, it would make me throw up. Like, just thinking about it, I'm like, ugh. Anyway. So, she threw up and then she was forced to eat her own vomit. Yeah. Like, her face was shoved in it like a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Sylvia decided she was going to try to get even by spreading rumors about Stephanie and Paula, which were the two oldest girls, telling several friends at school that the girls were prostitutes. Now, this is what it says in... Um, like all the research I could find. So, of course, I would say sex workers, but in the quotes it says prostitutes, so please don't come for me for that. (laughs) So, when Stephanie found out, she ended up punching Sylvia in the face and then had her boyfriend, which was 15-year-old Coy Hubbard, attack Sylvia. When he attacked Sylvia, he slammed her head into a wall and then began repeatedly slapping her. So, Paula ended up hitting Sylvia in the face so hard that she broke her own wrist. After having her arm put in a cast, she went home and beat Sylvia with the cast again. So, this girl was punched in the face by one sister. The sister's boyfriend slammed her head into a wall. And not like a house wall. Like, they were outside. So, her head was slammed into a brick wall. She was slapped in the face by this boy. And then the older sister not only hits her so hard that she breaks her wrist, she then comes home and beats her with a cast. So I just, I don't understand how it's possible for this many shitty people to come together at one place at one point in time. It's just a shitty family. Like, well, I mean, even the boyfriend, the boyfriend could have seen it and been like, Hey, yeah, that's not, no, I'm not getting involved in this. That's awful. Yeah. But he didn't. No. And I kind of look at it like these people couldn't have just become shitty people when they started doing this to her. So I kind of believe the boyfriend was probably a shitty person, too, just because you don't really see very many well-to-do guys getting with girls that come from families like this if they don't have, like, a fucked-up background. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of my point. It's just the worst people found each other, and I hate it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, thank you for doing this to me. Please continue. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't want you to continue, but you have to because it's a podcast, so keep going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, Gertrude would also force Jenny to hit Sylvia. So, if she would refuse to hit her sister, then Gertrude would beat on her. There again, I come back to Jenny having polio. She can't really stand up for herself. She always looked to Sylvia to be her protector. So when this stuff would happen, it was either she got the literal shit beat out of her as well, or she just hit her sister and got it over with. Um, I don't really know that I would beat on my sister, but I also don't have a major medical condition. So there's that. Well, that and then also... I mean, you're kind of like a prisoner of war at that point. Your option, there's no good option. No, they're both bad. Both horrible. Yeah. And I mean, at some point, maybe I'm just trying to get in the head of her sister, which is a really bad thing for me to do. But 
Yeah. But like, maybe she's thinking if one of us is healthy, maybe there's a way out. Yeah. And I kind of saw that too. You know, maybe, maybe that's what she was thinking, but anyway. Obviously we'll never know. Continue. Yeah. So (laughs) at one point, several neighborhood kids led by Coy Hubbard surrounded Sylvia, cutting her, burning her with lit cigarettes. They would also punch her and kick her in between the legs, severely injuring her genitals. After after all of this happened, Gertrude... Okay, this, this is really bad, so prepare yourself. Yep. yep, 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 yep. After this, Gertrude forced Sylvia to strip completely naked in front of all of these kids. And now these kids ain't ranged from age, like, 19 all the way down to, like, 6. Okay, so for this to happen to begin with is fucked up, but for this bitch to make her children watch this and the children of other people watch this just speaks volumes about how horrible of a person this woman was. So, she made Sylvia strip naked and shove a glass Coca-Cola bottle inside of her vagina in front of everybody. So, yeah. Not only is Sylvia having to be humiliated and do this to herself, you have to think, what is this doing to a six-year-old child? Yeah. Yeah, after seeing this girl tortured in several other ways. So, yeah, this is only the beginning, guys. So, Gertrude eventually prohibited Sylvia from going to school because she would go to school with countless bruises and cuts and burns on her, so people would begin to ask questions. After Sylvia confessed to stealing gym clothes that Gertrude refused to purchase for her, her punishment for stealing these clothes was having her fingertips burned with lit matches. Yeah, not like matches that you set on fire and blow out. Not that that wouldn't be hot enough, but like flame on the match to the finger. Yeah. Yeah. I hate everything about this case. Yeah, it makes me literally literally sick. Um, (sighs) So the Lycan sisters were afraid to notify anyone of the abuse, fearing it would only worsen their situation. Jenny struggled watching her sister being abused And ridiculed, but she never spoke out for Sylvia because Sylvia begged her not to. At one point, the girls did run into their older sister, Diana, at a nearby park and informed her of the abuse. Diana didn't believe them and thought maybe the girls just missed their parents. So, big Uh mistake. Yeah. When learning about this, Gertrude and Paula made Sylvia sit in a scalding hot tub to cleanse her of her sins. Sylvia ended ended up fainting, to which Gertrude responded with taking her by her hair and slamming her head into the wall of the tub until she woke up. Mm. Yeah. So, not long after this, Michael Moore, one of Gertrude's neighbors, contacted the high school attended by the kids to report large open sores that covered Sylvia's body. A school nurse visited the home upon, and upon arrival, Gertrude told the nurse that Sylvia had run away several days prior And she told Sylvia, excuse me, she told the nurse that Sylvia was out of control and was a bad influence on Jenny and all of her other children in the home. So the school never revisited the claims. No, you stupid, stupid assholes. Mm -hmm. (gasps) Mm-hmm. So, on October 1st, 
<clears throat> Diana, which is the girl's older sister, ran into Jenny and asked about Sylvia's well-being, to which Jenny responded, I can't tell you or I will get in trouble. So if that doesn't set off an alarm in your head, I don't know what would. If that doesn't set off an alarm in your head, you're fucking stupid. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of the severity of the mistreatment Sylvia received, she became incontinent, which means she had no control over her bladder at yep. all. She was not allowed to use the restroom in the house, and as punishment for her incontinence, Sylvia was tied up, naked, starved, and deprived of water in the family's home basement. Yeah. So Gertrude would also charge neighborhood children five cents to see Sylvia being humiliated, beaten, burned, and then she would rub salt into Sylvia's wounds. (sighs) Yeah. Gertrude would also hold Sylvia down and tell her 12-year-old son, John, to rub dirty diapers into Sylvia's face and into her mouth. The following day, Gertrude had <clears throat> had her little demon spawns hold Sylvia down while she carved the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, onto Sylvia's stomach with a hot needle. After this, Gertrude taunted Sylvia by saying, what are you going to do now? Who's going to want to marry you with that on your body? So that night, yeah. That night, Sylvia told Jenny, I know you don't want me. Ooh. I know yeah, you don't you've, want me. You only waited until episode four to make me just fall apart. I'm a mess and I'm crying. Thank yeah. you. So she told her sister, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to. I can tell it's going to happen. The following day, Gertrude forced Sylvia to write a letter to her parents telling her that she would be running away. After this, Gertrude came up with a plan to blindfold Sylvia and lead her into Jimmy's forest, which was a heavily wooded area not far from their home. Sylvia did attempt to escape on October 25th after overhearing Gertrude's plan to abandon her in the woods. She tried to run out of the door, but due to her weakened state, Gertrude caught her before she she could flee. Gertrude then force-fed Sylvia dry toast, which, if you remember, she was not allowed to eat or drink anything. So she was severely dehydrated at this point. Yeah. She also knocked her unconscious with a curtain rod and then drug her to the basement. It would later come to find out that one of the neighbors actually heard all of this commotion, but then decided against calling the police. Yeah, because those neighbors are assholes. Yeah. <sighs> By, yeah. By the following morning... Sylvia had lost her ability to speak or even move on her own. Paula tried to get Sylvia to recite the alphabet and then began striking her in the face when Sylvia was unable to do so. Sylvia began to make it better. Yeah. Sylvia began to defecate herself at this point, meaning she had absolutely no control over her body at all. John Jr., which is another of Gertrude's kids, sprayed Sylvia with a garden hose to clean her off while Sylvia lied on the floor. After being sprayed with the water hose, Gertrude stomped on Sylvia's head. Stephanie attempted to give Sylvia a sponge bath, which, through all of this from what I read, Stephanie kind of made a turnaround. In the beginning, she did punch her in the face um, because she told the school that she was a prostitute. But after this, she would sneak Sylvia food when she could. She would give her water when she could. So she wasn't the greatest person because she wasn't reporting this, um, but she did try to help her when she could. So, 
Sylvia attempted to give, or sorry, Stephanie attempted to give Sylvia a sponge bath, and during this, 16-year-old Sylvia Likens took her last breath. Around 5.30, a neighborhood kid, Richard Hobbs, went into the basement to find Stephanie crying and holding Sylvia's broken, emaciated, lifeless body. Gertrude accused Sylvia of faking her death, striking at her in the head with a book yelling faker over and over and over again. When she realized that Sylvia was not faking, she had Richard call the police. The police found Sylvia's body lying on a soiled mattress in one of the home's bedrooms. Gertrude told the police that Sylvia had just returned home that afternoon after being gone for weeks because she ran away with a bunch of teenage boys. Yeah. (laughs) Jenny told the police that she would tell them everything if they would just get her out of Gertrude's home. Jenny's statement led to the arrest of Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, and John Jr., along with Coy Hubbard and Richard Hobbs. Gertrude tried blaming everything on her own children, so she didn't want to did. take yeah she didn't want to take the blame on any of the, for any of this. So without any remorse, Paula ended up signing a statement taking full responsibility for beating Sylvia on mul- multiple occasions. Five other neighborhood kids were also arrested and were eventually released after agreeing to appear as witnesses at the trial. Sylvia's autopsies showed that she suffered over 150 separate wounds. In addition to being completely emaciated, burns, severe bruising, severe muscle and nerve damage were all included on the report, as well as the fact that her vaginal cavity had completely swollen shut. Sylvia's fingernails were broken backwards. Most of her skin had begun to recede from the bone, and this was before she was dead. Most of, most of her skin began receding from the bone. Um, she had bitten through her bottom lip, separating it and um, causing it to partially fall from her face before she was dead. Her official cause of death was a subdural hematoma located on her right temple, which I'm willing to bet is where Gertrude stomped on her head. Sylvia's funeral was held on October 29th at the Russell and Hitch Funeral Home in Lebanon, Indiana. Her casket was open so the world could see what these people had done to her, and over 100 mourners came to pay their respects. April 18th, 1966, Gertrude, Paula, John, Richard Hobbs, and Coy Hubbard were all tried at the same time. Prosecution announced their decision to seek the death penalty. May 2nd and 3rd, Jenny Likens testified, stating that each of the five dependents played their own part in her sister's inevitable demise. Jenny burst into tears when she repeated her sister's words, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die, I can tell. Gertrude testified on her own defense, denying any responsibility for Sylvia's mistreatment. She also began to tell her own sob story about how she was just a depressed single mother who didn't have any financial help. Blah, 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 you stupid. So everyone ended up turning on Gertrude in the end, of course. Um, Everybody else admitted to their part in Sylvia's death, but made it perfectly clear that most of the time they were just following orders given by Gertrude. The trial lasted 17 days before the jury retired to consider its verdict. On May 25th, Gertrude and Paula were sentenced to life in prison, and the same day, Richard and Coy were sentenced to 2 to 21 years. Uh. Yeah, at the Indiana Reformatory. 
Paula and Gertrude were retried in 1971, where Paula opted to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter. She was also sentenced to 2 to 21 years, but was released in December of 1972. So she was in prison for one year. Yeah. Gertrude, again, was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison, but was released on parole on December 4th, 1985. And if you do a little bit of quick math, that was only 13 years. Yeah. So she served her 13 years. Um, I can now happily say that that bitch is dead. Um, Right. Jenny, upon seeing her obituary, printed it out and made this long post about how the bitch was finally dead. Um, She could finally rest and so could her sister. So that's pretty much all the information I could dig up on Sylvia Likens, as if it wasn't enough. My sources were Wikipedia and American Crime, which is a great movie if you want to watch a movie on this. It was made in 2007. Um, Ellen Page actually plays um, Sylvia Likens. It actually has Evan Peters and um, a couple other well-known actors and actresses. I also used Indie Star and all that's interesting for this story. Oof. Yeah. I, I told you it's heavy. <laughs> I like I wanna say thank you, but I really don't. Yeah, um, it it fucks me up. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how long it like how long the jury deliberated on whether or not they were going to say guilty? Uh from what I read it was four hours. I can't even believe it took that long, honestly. Um, I think it only took four hours because uh, there were five defendants. So they had to decide on everybody's conviction. So I think that's the only reason it took that long. Because you can't tell me that you heard the the opening arguments of this case and you were like, oh, no, they're innocent. I mean, yeah. come on now. That girl could not do all of that damage to herself. <sighs> so, yeah, that one definitely... That's probably one of the worst true true crime cases I have ever researched, read, anything. Just because nothing, she did nothing to provoke any of that mistreatment. Even if you kinda, did, oh. even if you did, that is overkill. Mm-hmm. I just, ugh. And as somebody who has two sisters, I just, mm, my heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> taking a taking a breath yeah yeah i told you it was heavy super super heavy i need like 20 million people to help me lift this it's so heavy okay (laughs) there's not even anything funny that could be pulled from that i was like how are we gonna name this episode (laughs) i don't think we should i think it should just be the sylvia likens case and whatever stupid thing we come up with for mine yeah Hey, Rebecca, guess what? What? I got my heathen hippo candle in the mail today. Really? So did I. Yeah, so I got the fireside scent, and it is literally my favorite thing in the world right now. I got my white tea and fig scent, and same. Yeah, they're amazing. Not to mention, our cute little logo looks so good on the front of this candle. I 100% agree, and I just... I don't know. I want to send one to everyone. (laughs) Same. They're super affordable. They're natural because they're made out of soy. 
And because they're made out of soy and they're natural, they burn evenly. There's no lingering smoky smell. And they even use my favorite wood wicks. Yeah, so that nice little crackle. Oh, my goodness. Especially with Fireside, I imagine that would be so nice. Yeah, it's literally like I'm sitting next to a campfire in my cramped little studio. It's perfect. (laughs) I love it. So, guys, if you want one, there are nine fragrances, five customizable font options, or you can get some of their really fun standard label options. They have some Joe Exotic ones that are calling my name. So, if you want to buy some of these adorable, affordable candles, go to Heathen Hippo on Etsy. And you can use our little code, CTKPOD, and save 10%. Yeah, so uh, literally not seeing any reason you shouldn't do that. So, head on over right now. Like, right now. Right now, do it. (laughs) All right, so now we are going to take a turn from the absolutely awful to something a little more spooky. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. Um, still, Still sad, but not anywhere near that yeah let's end this on a <laughs> on a better note <laughs> yeah not not a good note that's probably never gonna happen on this so not a good note but like a a, a better one mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> okay so today's story takes place in the late 1800s Ooh. yeah so a little more distance in time too yay <laughs> Uh, So consumption, now known as tuberculosis, was considered to be a spiritual disease. Uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Current world science would be like, what the, what the fuck? No. But yes, so it was considered to be a spiritual disease, and this fueled a new fear. So, 200 years after the Salem Witch Trials, a vampire hysteria took over. Yay! Yay, vampires! <laughs> there's this one, there's actually this one old horror movie that this guy I used to be friends with made me watch. And in the movie, the entire time, he goes, Don't you believe me? It's a vampire! And now anytime I say vampire, I just hear that in my head. It drove me nuts. I couldn't pay attention to the movie at all. I don't know anything that happens in it. (laughs) I just know that they say vampire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was (laughs) one of those. That me too. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm just trying really hard to make it as light as possible. (laughs) Sorry. <sighs> okay. So this this story occurs in the small town of Exeter, New England, where this vampire fear was just through the roof. Mm-hmm. So Christopher Rondina, author of Vampire Legends of Rhode Island, stated that it was thought that some kind of a force was actually preying on you and sucking out your life force. And it became common practice throughout New England for almost 100 years for families who were experiencing these consumptive deaths to go to graveyards and actually exhume their deceased relatives. Shut the fuck up. Okay, (laughs) podcast over. Sorry, guys. Katie told me to shut up. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) 
right, so we know Katie's stance on exhuming dead bodies. Just don't do it, apparently, because ew. If it's not medically <laughs> necessary, like, no. Oh, not even a little bit. And Katie, it gets worse. Yay, looking forward to it. Because apparently we just have a theme that I love when things get worse. So, <laughs> also a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. So when they were exhuming their relatives' bodies, they were looking for corpses that appeared to be unnaturally fresh. Okay. What that means would differ between who was exhuming the body. So what would actually physically just be, yeah, no, that's where they're supposed to be, to one person could be completely wrong to another one. Oh, so there's no, like, scale system. No, 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 no. There's literally no science behind this whatsoever. I mean, there's a doctor there, but what does that mean in the 1800s? Okay, perfect. All right, keep it going. Got it. Yep. (laughs) Chugging along. (laughs) So if the corpse was in better condition than they felt that it should be, it was assumed that this person's spirit was rising from the grave each night as a vampire and sucking the life force from their living families, family members. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so uh, anybody thinking about the Sanderson sisters? Because I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> Must suck the lives of children before sunrise. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. I'm a big Disney fan. So <laughs> yeah, Hocus just a Pocus little. Is not safe. <laughs> Anyways, so this issue was handled differently based on where you were located, but in Rhode Island, where our story occurs, the most frequent solution for this was to burn the dead person's heart, sometimes inhaling the smoke as a cure. Uh, Okay. Yeah, literally in my notes, I wrote, fucking yikes. Yeah, um, all right, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Now, with all of the backstory covered, we can get into the story of Mercy Lena Brown of Exeter, Rhode Island. In 1883, Mercy's mother, Mary Brown, died of a mysterious illness, presumably tuberculosis, which isn't mysterious at all to us now, but obviously they did not know that at the time. Mm-hmm. Six months later, her older sister, Mary, died. Okay... Yeah, so two deaths in the family so far in a six-month period. Mm-hmm. Then not, a, a, not, not strange at all. Nope, if you don't know what's happening, not even a little bit. Uh, then in 1891, Edwin Brown, the brother, became very ill. He decided to follow the local doctor's recommendation, which is basically, you know, go get fresh air, exercise, etc., and that'll help you get better. So in shortly after this diagnosis, he retreated to Colorado Springs, hoping that the warmer weather would allow him to recover more easily. Unfortunately, the weather on this 18-month trip made no difference, surprise, and he returned home to Exeter in 1892, more worse off than when he left. Uh, obviously. Okay. Yeah, so (laughs) shortly following the return of her brother at the age of 19, Mercy Brown fell ill and ultimately died of consumption on January 17th, 1892. 
Surprise, surprise, but okay. Yeah, one kid's <laughs> sick, leaves the house, the girl's fine, he comes back, gets her sick. <sighs> Sound Vicious like COVID-19, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Okay. <laughs> so, in 1892, tuberculosis was actually the leading cause of death in the United States. Its symptoms included the the, the English. <laughs> it, <laughs> symptoms included fatigue, night sweats, and coughing up of white phlegm or even foamy blood. Ooh. Yeah, I felt the need to share this just because I didn't fucking know any of it. Ooh. Foamy blood? Oh, okay. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, gross. Uh, <laughs> people with active tuberculosis had an 80% chance of dying from it. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, not, not great, you guys. So the village doctor informed Edwin and his father, George, that consumption was taking his family. Of course, the people of Exeter had different beliefs about what was happening. What with, you know, the whole sucking of the life force and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, is... screw science. <laughs> to hell with it all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> you know, I once read a book. I can't remember for the life of me what it was called, but I read a book that said something. It was fiction, by the way, putting that out there right now, that the start of the vampire theory came from diabetes. <laughs> Could they like smell the sugar in their blood? What is what? No, the theory. So the theory was that somebody who was having a diabetic incident mm -hmm. would become crazy. Oh my god! And then crave good blood. It was oh. just. <laughs> I haven't read this book since I think I was in either fifth or sixth grade, but it has stuck with me because of the absolute absurdity. Please, guys, if you know what book I'm talking about, because I have no idea, please, like, email us, contact me on the Facebook group, something. I need to reread this insanity. I need to read this. <laughs> yeah, so there was, like, a goth girl in fishnet tights on the cover, if that helps. <laughs> okay, that really narrows it down. All right, got it. <laughs> it, it really, but it solidifies the picture, which is the most important part. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyways. <sighs> so with the rapid deterioration of his son, George was obviously becoming desperate. He's lost three people in his family up to this point. Mm -hmm. he, this is not to say that he believed the town's theories. However, he thought they were absolutely ridiculous and held no real validity. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of this, though. One afternoon in March of 1892, a group of men exhumed the bodies of George Brown's wife and two daughters under the direction of Harold Metcalf, M.D. of Wickford. The townsfolk had come to the conclusion that one of George's family members was obviously caught between heaven and hell, rising from their grave at night to suck the life out of their relatives, which meant the cure could lie with their bodies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Edwin would continue to grow increasingly weak and eventually perish if they didn't kill the vampire. Okay. Makes sense. Got it. Vampire. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> Upon examining the bodies of their dead, all appeared to be de- as decomposed as expected. Except for one. Mercy, who had now either been buried or waiting in a crypt until the ground could thaw. Uh, the news reports and everything I read varied, so we don't really know which one it was. Uh, so she was either buried in she was either buried or waiting in a crypt. I don't know. For eight weeks, didn't seem to deteriorate as quickly as they expected she should. Keep in mind, though, these months were cold enough that they may have had to wait for the ground to thaw. So it's very possible that she just didn't decompose very quickly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, wouldn't that be like keeping her in a freezer if it was that damn cold? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it would. But, you know, science, that's... That's not a that's thing. Not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> so when the coffin or not was opened... <laughs> One of the reports that I read said that when the coffin was open, Mercy's body was also found on its side. Okay. And her face appeared flush. Okay. There was also still blood in her heart and veins. Well, duh. But okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but, like, fresh blood. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, which is a rare thing. I did a little bit of research into it. It it can happen. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Metcalf had objected to the entire notion of vampires and insisted that the lack of decomp- decomposition was consistent with the fact that she'd been dead for less than two months. Of course, the people of Exeter would hear none of this. Yeah, it's the vampire. <laughs> It's the vampire. <laughs> we will never say vampire normally. Never, ever. <laughs> so, since medicine wasn't working, and the presence of fresh blood was obviously a sign that she was undead. Obviously. Duh. Duh, you guys. <laughs> Supposedly, when one of the men poked her body with a shovel, because respectful, <laughs> fresh blood spilled. Now, obviously, all of these discoveries can mean only one thing. Mercy Brown was a vampire. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yep. It makes all the sense. Every scientist would agree. 11 out of 10 on brand. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree. <laughs> now, reports here vary, but her heart and liver, or her lungs, were then removed and burned on a pyre atop a pile of nearby rocks. Mercy was then buried in Chestnut Hill Cemetery after this. Okay. Assuming the ground was cold enough, or warm enough, I guess, to dig. I I, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, though, she does rest in Chestnut Hill Cemetery. Okay. Then, after, I guess, reburying her, maybe? They returned to the home of Edwin Brown, where they then, and Katie, prepare your stomach, mixed the ashes of his sister's heart with water. Okay. And fed this concoction to Edwin. Oh, my God. 
Okay. At least they didn't make him, like, eat the organ. I guess that's a little better, but still. Oh. Is it, though? Oh. <laughs> I mean, okay, no. No, it's it's not good at all. <laughs> I just, because, like, at least if you're eating the organ, and this is going to get real gross, you guys. I'm sorry. But, like, you could cook it and, like, prepare it a certain way that maybe it didn't taste disgusting. But you're literally drinking ash water. Yeah, Mm -mm. I think I'm going to pass on both. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, I was the dumbass child who once did lick my father's ashtray because he said, because he said something tasted like licking an ashtray. And I'm like, hmm, what does that taste like? (laughs) Okay. I will tell you right now, it's fucking disgusting. I bet it is. I bet you'll never forget that. (laughs) Unfortunately, no, 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 I won't. Um... (laughs) all right yeah so neither one's good but i think one's potentially better maybe Maybe. (laughs) (sighs) okay so and i lost my place here because our conversation is so riveting there we go This isn't the first time this type of exhumation and remedy occurred. There are as many as 18 documented instances of this type of ritual in New England throughout the 18th and 19th century, but Mercy Mercy Brown was the last. Also keep in mind, there's only 18 documented instances. This was usually a very clandestine thing that occurred like by the light of candles and like your typical little seancey things you imagine it was usually done like that mm-hmm. so there are probably hundreds of these instances that occurred they're just not documented <laughs> they're just not documented mm-hmm. despite this miraculous home remedy edwin died less than two months later um well, I'd, I'm pretty sure the uh, the concoction didn't help at all. <laughs> yeah, if anything, it could have made it worse. Yeah, much worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rhode Island became known as the vampire capital of America. Interestingly enough, though, when Bram Stoker died, newspaper clippings regarded Mercy Brown were actually found among his things. So, hmm. Yeah, yeah. And while I don't think this needs to be clarified for anyone, I'm going to do it just for the sake of doing it, I guess. Bram Stoker is the author of Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that, I just, I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. (laughs) Uh, So, Mercy's surviving relatives reportedly saved local news reports and scrapbooks. Her story was also frequently discussed on a holiday known as Decoration Day, which is something really interesting that I don't know why we don't do it anymore, uh, but it's when the town's residents actually decorate local cemeteries. Oh, okay. See, that could be a thing again. I think it should be. It should. I agree. Okay, let's start that. So today, her gravesite is extremely popular. People will often leave behind plastic vampire teeth and other gifts. Yeah, because if anything, what she wanted when she was on her deathbed was plastic fucking vampire teeth. Please, guys, leave garbage on my grave. 
Yeah, for by all means, come on now. But at least make sure that they're the glow in the dark ones, because <laughs> those are pretty rad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, come on, guys, you couldn't even get the ones that are just the just the little vampire teeth with the putty that adhere. You have to get me the garbage plastic ones that hurt your face. Oh yeah, see there, and they cut your gums, and yeah, uh, come on, be thoughtful. All right. <laughs> So, people will also leave behind notes for Mercy. One such note read, You go, girl. <laughs> I don't really know what they what they mean by that, but I love it. Where exactly is she going? <laughs> I mean, if she's a vampire, probably to hell, but whatever. I hate you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the grave is also littered with pennies for some reason. Mm, and I get the penny thing. Do you? Please explain. Okay, so have you ever seen, I think we've already talked about this, have you ever seen uh, the Annabelle movies? I haven't seen the Annabelle movies. Are you about to say the thing where they put the coins over the eyes? So yeah, that... yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, but they're taken across like a river. Isn't that the river to hell though? Or am I misremembering? I'm pretty sure it's just, like, to the afterlife. I don't really think it's specifically to hell. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's, pre- it's pretty much the same thing. Different cultures have different meanings, though. Maybe we'll do that in a mini one day. <clears throat> Maybe. I'm just picturing Boondock Saints now, though. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's a good movie. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so, there is also a Tupperware container with a notebook for people to sign if they so desire, which, why? Bitch doesn't want your autograph. She's dead. Right, and didn't the whole family die? So there's not even, like, a descendant that would be appreciative of that? I don't don't understand that part. The entire family didn't die. The father still lived, so there's the possibility maybe he remarried or something. And it sounds like she also had cousins. Mm -hmm. So, but what are the odds of that's going to make it to like one of their family members or anybody who would appreciate, you know what I mean? Like who would appreciate messages for her? I think it's kind of like that whole phenomenon where people are like, oh, let's go visit the Hollywood Forever Cemetery because this stupid celebrity is buried here. Let's do it. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't feel that, guys, I don't get it. Please, somebody explain to me kindly what the desire is behind going to cemeteries to be like, well, let's see this dead person's grave that I never met. Oh, see, okay. There are a few celebrity graves that I would like to visit. Um, I think of it as a respect thing. Like, you couldn't pay your respects to them in person. You couldn't pay your respects to them at the time of their death. Uh, would I ever leave, like, mementos proving that I was there? Absolutely not, because I think it's a little weird to visit graves of someone that you're not related to anyway, so I probably wouldn't want any proof left. But there are a few celebrity graves that I would visit. <clears throat> okay, I can see it from the respect perspective. All right. <laughs> Disregard, you don't have to send me things. <laughs> All right, so my sources were newengland.com. I also cited allthatsinteresting.com, Katie. So we were on the same websites. That's a great website. It 
truly is. <laughs> I also used Atlas Obscura, History.com, and Boston.com. Okay. Yeah, so that that was quite the episode. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Definitely was. Coming up with a title for this one's going to be interesting. Honestly, because Sylvia Likens is such a tough case, I just, I, I would keep that just the Sylvia Likens case so that people are prepared. Yeah, and I think in the description, I'm definitely going to put a, um, a warning for that one because that one's kind of tough. <clears throat> for sure. But, Katie, what is your CTK for the week? Your chills, thrills, or kills? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> I know there's, there's a lot this week. We're actually, so we're recording on May 31st. Mm-hmm. For those of you, so you can get a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about. <laughs> okay, so without trying to make this too controvers- controversial, <clears throat> I'm just going to say that there are several riots going on in my city right now. Um, which is going on all over the world. I don't want to voice my opinions on those riots just because that can go one of two ways. But things are being set on fire. People's lives are being threatened. Um, so that's that's definitely pretty, pretty chilling, pretty thrilling. Uh, hopefully not pretty killing, as cheesy as that is. Uh, but yeah, they have closed down the mall that I work at. So... I don't know when I'll be going back to work again, so kind of reminding me of quarantine. So, uh, yeah. What about you, Rebecca? What are your chills, thrills, or kills? Uh, Well, so for me, I'm... The town that I live in is pretty far from the epicenter of those kinds of things. So, like, Los Angeles is the closest big town to me, Mm -hmm. but that's still... 50-ish miles away, Mm -hmm. but that is not stopping my not-quite-mother-in-law, but my boyfriend's mother, whom we live with, uh, from (laughs) freaking out. Uh, Not that she shouldn't be, and it's just like the level is, it's almost amusing, but it's also stressing me out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we now have, yeah, we now have a baseball bat in our room. As well as Luke has this go bag that he takes out for everything. Oh, it has. I'm not even I'm not even kidding you. It has this shovel slash axe combo that also has a little flint thing in it that I bought him for Christmas. So he has that. It has a hatchet in it. Mm-hmm. And then it has like an extra pair of clothes and it's he drags it out for everything. I swear to God, there's fires. Well, we need that. Oh, well, I mean, you know. I mean, yeah, it's good to have an emergency <laughs> kit. Absolutely. It's a comfort thing. <clears throat> it's just having that in the room is just this constant reminder of everything that's happening. I'm mm. also out of holy basil, which is, it's just this natural supplement that helps uh, lower your cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. So I am stressed the fuck out. <laughs> I believe it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. super fun. In addition to that, the gate that I made for my little recording studio tore a hole in the only pair of leggings that I have that actually fit me properly. And they don't make that pair anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. So that that's crushing my soul a little bit. 
Yeah, I get that. I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, so one that I didn't mention in our last recording is, so I have a friend from one of my old jobs. She purchased a necklace that I made. And I didn't mail it out quickly enough because she also had to mail it to Vegas. And with everything that's been going on with the quarantine and now the riots, there was just no way that she was going to be able to get it there in time if I didn't drop it off at her house. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't know where this friend lived. And it's not the greatest area. So I was dropping this off before any of this riot stuff happened. And even then, there were police helicopters circling the area. There was what looked like one guy staking out the area looking for a sucker. <laughs> like, okay. Luke and I are driving, and we're just like, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. Which <laughs> focus on the road it it was a lot so my anxiety was through the roof that day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's been wild you guys and I'm exhausted (laughs) yeah I I feel that definitely definitely feel that (laughs) yeah in addition I'm also still feeling the effects from my antibiotics so I'm just like sick gross yeah so that's that's what's going on in my life you guys but what's really killing me is the amount of support we're getting so far all of the followers that we have uh all of the people who've been wishing us the best of luck giving us advice it's been really great it it really really has and I know you guys if you're part of the Facebook group see us talking about how this made us cry and that made us cry and you might think we're being dramatic but we're totally not I literally had a breakdown the other day at work <laughs> yeah that that neat that gift that I posted of god what's Zoe Deschanel thank you from New Girl that is a perfect representation of what me just looking at the po- at the podcast group is and then seeing how many followers we have and how many people are actually interacting with us and then I break down crying and Luke the boyfriend will just look at me and be like this again yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a little much I mean we literally celebrate every single milestone every listen every time we hit a certain number of people in the group. We, I mean, if you went through Rebecca and ours and my like text messages, you would see like <laughs> random 302, 392, 400, like just us keeping track of everything. And we, we're pretty good about interacting with everybody in the group as well. Um, and that helps a lot. We get a lot of recommendations from you guys and we're definitely trying to implement them into each and every episode. So if you're not part of the Facebook group, please, please, please join. Um, there are a lot of really great people in there as well. Absolutely. I could not have said that better. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So... This has been a little bit of a more talkative episode. Uh, hopefully it lightened up the first half for you a little bit. I, We really tried. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like what we do, maybe even love what we do, please go ahead and find us on our socials. You can find us on our Facebook group at... CTK podcast. Yes, you can find us on Twitter at CTK pod or Instagram 
at CTK Pod as well. And you can also sil- send in, oh God, send in <laughs> any stories. And you guys, you don't have to send in just paranormal stories or just true crime stories. If you want to just give us a laugh for the day, by all means, send us those cute little stories, anything you want right on the web. Are read on the show. We'll definitely get to them, but you can send those to us at chills, thrills, and kills at gmail.com. <laughs> yes, please send in those stories. We've already received one that is blowing my mind. <laughs> and I want to hear what you have to say about everything. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're very interested. <laughs> yes. Well, guys, until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.